I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. Hello, I'm Jimbo Paris, and welcome to the Jimbo Paris Show. So today we have Elena Phillip, and she's a fitness coach focused on helping people and moving them in the right direction towards their goals in life, in both their mind and also their body. Hello, how are you doing today? We are in. How are you? I'm doing well. Sorry about the delay. It was a hiccup between my employees and someone forgot to send you the link. No worries about that. I'm here now anyway. Hi. So can you kind of begin by giving me a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and what your message is? Okay, then. Um, my journey started in my 20s. I was a beast for several years, basically. Um, I tried every bad diet that was going on the scene at the time. Um, only to find that I'd lose the weight very quickly and I would put it on very, very quickly. Quickly, they didn't work. Exercise for me was relatively really, really easy for me. So I didn't have a problem in the respect. But um, I thought, 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 So what the first step, what I'd done was change my mindset from there. I was and I was more mindful of what I was eating. So, so, like, so yeah, it started it started from there. I was more mindful about the foods I was eating. Um supposed to I'd skip breakfast before and then come in the evening I would just make up for the whole day and just kind of binge each basically. Um and I saw how powerful um to cut the long story sh- short basically what it was like um, to have a mindset and also have a bit of fitter body and everything. I lost a lot of weight. I was 15 stones. I went down to eight and a half stones. Um, and then, yeah, my journey started from there, basically. And, I, you know, people saw the difference within me and they were like, you know, you've done really well, blah, blah. Got to a point I thought, you know, this, this is my chosen profession. This is what I want to actually do, basically, because it works. My formula works. Um, the knowledge I accumulated over the years was just amazing. So, yeah, I was able to put it into practice. It's very good. And can you kind of give some detail on what actually is going on with Benji? Like, what is that and... How did that specifically impact your life? Um, I felt quite bad. Um, the kind of foods I was eating, like say for instance, I'd go without the day eating no breakfast, and then I'd have something like seven packets of crisps. I wasn't really a chocolate person; I was more savoury. <clears throat> but I was a sucker for crisps, basically. So sometimes seven packs. Sometimes you know, you make packs where you can like 12 of them. I could eat them in one go, basically. Um, just eat wrong foods, fast food, greasy chips, stuff like that. And, yeah, that's it. And when you started doing this, how did this motivate you to then start helping other people, their bodies? Obviously, I saw the difference, uh, kind of leaving the others. So it, it helped me actually work. So, yeah. In that respect. And how did this get you to then go into bodybuilding? I was okay. I was in the gym one day with one of my male friends. He was competing and he said for a joke, why don't you join me? 
So I just looked at him like, you know what, game on, I had four months to prep, four months done it. So it started from there. Um, the first bodybuilding um, competition, I just found out my feet were fractured. And so I was getting surgery as well. So I had that, that added bonus on top of it. Um, I got put in an unfair category. So I went, at the time I was in my 30s, I'm in my 40s now. Um, I got put with an open class. So I was standing against girls that were old enough to be my daughter. It was, it was a great buzz, to be honest with you, really great buzz. And back in 2019, that was my second bodybuilding competition. I came second in that. So I was put more in my age group as well. And it was just the whole process, the whole experience of it. You can get, you can get a stereotype. You can have these prima donnas on stage. That you actually really meet some really amazing, inspirational people that have got amazing stories to tell. So for that, for that reason, that's why I came back for more, basically. And I like the discipline there as well. And why do you like the discipline? I'm. I just like discipline. It keeps my mindset. It promotes my mindset. Um, it's, um, I like, to, I like to be aware of balance. Balance is very important for an individual as well. Without balance, you're just going to kind of be able and just go one path, basically, supposed to kind of enjoying life and actually growing as an individual as well. So that's a very important aspect in my respect. And when you started doing this, what were some of the good people you've met that sort of influenced you to do this? During uh, your body. Sorry, can you say that again? It cut out. Yeah. So during your bodybuilding career, what were some of the people that influenced you to pursue your goals? One of them was my friend Donna, who's amazing in her 50s. Absolutely amazing body. I thought, you know what? You know, I had her by my side and my male friend that you know, like kind of betted me for a joke to, to take it up. So I had them both by my side. So I had great support. Um, Donna done it relatively later. Um, in the forties, she started training as well. It's not really an age limit that you can start training. You know, some people have this: oh, you're too old to do this. You're too this. You can't do that. You're kind of limiting your physicalness, your mental capability of doing stuff. So I don't agree with that. It's just a number. It's how you feel mentally. And that's why it's so important to me to have mindset elaborated with the physical side. And we talked a lot about the body here, but what about the mind? How did you begin to develop your mind now to continue doing this? And how is bodybuilding a mental game? You talked about the discipline, but is there anything else that needs to be incorporated into that? Yeah, you're more you're more mindful of your actions. It coincides with the discipline. So it's the mind, the mind to me is the battery of the human body. So without, I mean, you could, you could go and just exercise for the sake of just being supposed to keep healthy, your heart healthy, blah, blah. But if your mind's not really engaged, you're not, you're not, you're not really taking the full, full aspects of it. My, the mindset is great because you're mindful with your surroundings, you're mindful with your actions, you're mindful what you're putting in your body, what you're not putting in your body, the duration of how much how much time you're training, that all comes into it as well. And also you grow as a person, just physically, 
it's the mental side you grow as an individual as well and it's a thing that's called the egoic mind it's the part that Fed. You know, like you get voices. So I'll give you a little example rather than explain it and go for. And you get the angel, you get the devil on one side. Yeah, don't do it. Indulge in. You know, you kind of feed that. You kind of take control, and you see more straightforward. And when you're seeing straight more forward, you're more present in in that moment. So rather than oh my god, what am I going to do in my future? Oh, my past was horrific. You're engaging in that, in that present moment and you're learning a purpose. Like they say, every day you learn something new. So that's how the mindset comes into it, if it's elaborated in a proper way. And that's what I teach. Mm, very good. And when we talk about your teaching, what type of individual do you consider yourself? Are you more of the intuitive type or are you a lot more of the pragmatic kind of track calories, track macros how does that work for you? No, because if you're if you're bodybuilding, I mean, I didn't track macros when I was competing. I don't believe in calorie um, counting personally. To me, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work because you've got body types. So, say for instance, you've got an ectomorph. An ectomorph, you know, we've all got something like that that can have a huge amount of meals and never put on weight. Then you've got an endomorph that eats less but never shift weight. So you have to kind of elaborate it to body types, and that's not that's not what's really taught a lot. You're always like two thousand calories, say for instance, for a woman, two thousand five hundred for a man, and it doesn't quite, quite, you know, quite pinpoint for me. Um, I'm going from experience. At one point, I'm not going to lie to you. I do calorie count. I have macros. It just doesn't work with me. Um, well, you have to try it to see. You know, that's the journey. Absolutely, absolutely. I base it on body types. When you go with someone's body type, then boom, you've nailed it. So can you sort of explain how you work with your clients? Because I think that's how a lot of people are being interested in. And what makes you different from a lot of these other coaches out there? Because I, I definitely could see a difference I could sense it, but could you kind of elaborate on that? Okay, for what I start, um, a lot of coaching, I mean, let's face it, everybody is a fitness professional on Instagram. Do this, don't have no carbs, do that. Now, have you ever been the beast? Very few have been in that position. When they place up pictures, it's just a little bit of a man boob, say, for instance, a little bit of little bit of tummy access but I've actually really been low and had self low self-esteem hated and loathed the skin that you live with I've been there basically so I understand the mental side of it the physical side of it being embarrassed um of your body I mean me personally I wouldn't look at myself at that point for a whole year in the mirror that's how bad it got um the only time I looked in the mirror was obviously to make sure was clean I don't really apply a lot of makeup so it was just to see if I was if my face was okay my hair was okay in that respect but um, unless you've really been there and kind of understand it it's very you know it, it you can't really you can't really be in your client's shoes uh, I wouldn't say I'm special I just understand people a little bit more better so a lot of them will say to you, 
have a high protein diet, say for instance, low carbs, your energy system, you know, your first energy system is actually based on carbs. A lot of people have like high protein levels in their body. So what happens with a lot of bodybuilders is very common as well. I'm just using the example where they have heart attacks, liver, you know, liver functions go wrong, stuff like that. They age themselves. Um, their skin dries out, they look a lot more older than what they actually are as well. So there's consequences with it. Everything, again, is moderation and balance, and that's what I teach. I don't believe in 90-day challenges because what are you going to do after the 90 days? So what I to people, it, it's, like a, it's like your car. You're not going to maintain it for 90 days, say, for instance. So why should you only maintain your body for only 90 days, say, for instance? After the 90 days, what are you going to do? Year in, year out, you've, you know, you've kind of adapted this, this kind of like high protein diet, this 90 day challenge, this cutting out carbs and stuff like that. What are you going to do in the long run when that backfires on you and you're not, you know, you're not balancing and you're not placing moderation in place? Um, the other thing is as well, I place the mindset is, as well. That is the starting ingredient to anything. It's like, say, for instance, another example I'm going to use. Someone don't just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to be a doctor today. They have to have that mindset to understand that they've got to go through a lot of stuff um, to specialise in the area of being that victim. So it kind of comes along in that respect. And that's that's the message I put across. Uh, what makes me different also, I can't stand celebrity stuff because this celebrity's done that. That celebrity has got funds to hire a personal trainer, a nutritionist to do everything for them, you know. So uh, people, what the problem is, um, social media is a great platform, you know, to promote yourself. But it's also quite harmful for people that are interested that think, oh, I'm going to have that body if I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. So the principles I teach are kind of the opposite. I teach in a realistic format. So why do you prefer to teach in a realistic format? Because I can't lie to people. I don't like to lie to people. I wish back when I went through my obese journey that I had someone being honest with me. Um, in one in one respect, it was a blessing because I learned that out of myself. So I learned my lesson. And that's what obviously brought me to the path that I'm at now as well. But um, I can't, I have to be real in the matter. You know, it's like, say we have a TV program. How can I get this body and I get that body when that individual, I mean, over here in the UK at the moment, Love Island is a big thing. How can I get this body? How can I get that? And I've seen a few magazines. I'll oh, do the do this exercise to get so-and-so tummy exercises, like that individual. It's not really going to work there, the realistic side of it. Um, a lot of people think, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. In so-and-so time, I'm going to quickly get it. Again, it comes down to body types, uh, what kind of diet you've got. I mean, 80% comes down to nutrition. 20% is only you know, exercise in that respect. So I have to keep it real, basically. Um, somewhat, I feel like I have to be that voice. So that's another, you know, a ground that kind of separates me from other people as well. I just say it as it is. I'm a true believer in the long run. You, you know, you've got to go for the long run. Next month, I'm 45. 
I'm still training. I'm clean, I'm vegan. Everybody has their choices and I just lay it out. What choice do you, do you want to be? You know, I mean, I, I see 50 year old plus and they look amazing. Their bodies look amazing. And that's been through years of maintenance. So that's, that's what I kind of want to bring out to people. And how do you market your business in a sense? Do you sort of use your image or do you use more of what type of value do you tend to show to your audience the most? Um, I've plugged for a while. I'm working on new staff services that I'm offering. But I have in the past um, showed exercises, given some nutritional advices. Like one of the, I'm just giving an example, using paper um, plates for sliders, for ab exercises, exercises, in the fire exercises as well, um, back exercises. Um, I teach like a lot of people, like I'm just giving you an example, saying with a lot of people have this conversation, having a six pack. So I've kind of advertised that you have to work your points with the lower back because you antagonize these onto the other. And I show various exercises, how to strengthen that side. Um, pictures of before and after pictures of myself. Sometimes I'll give clients, obviously, if you give me permission. Some of them don't like to be highlighted, which I have to respect because of their job roles. People work in the government as well, sector, so I can't place them faces. I have in the past placed just from the stomach downwards or put a Mickey Mouse I've done in the past um, on an old Instagram account that I had. But I mainly write, I write, I blog a lot as well, so I advertise for my blogging because I like writing. Um, yeah, that's it basically. But I don't do the standard, oh, this and that and that. You know, like some people would do. If I'm competing, I would show pictures of myself. But mainly, um, the main advertisement for me has have been from word of mouth and mm. what was me accomplish and my clients. That's very good. And, you know, to kind of help you hit that question on point, you hit it pretty well, but I'm, I'm sort of asking, so it's more of a personal brand. It's less of a bit. Okay. Very good. Very good. And... When you continue doing this, what do you think your future goals are? Um, to answer that, I'm a Buddhist, so the morals of Buddhism, we live in the present moment. So rather than jump that goal and go into the future, you're learning everything. So I have to kind of keep in the present moment. And sort of did that Buddhism kind of have a reflection on how you perceive health because I think a lot of people right now are looking at you to have an optimal mindset when going about weight loss. How do you think people can improve their lifestyle by staying in the present moment and sort of using your approaches to pursue maybe a diet or a lifestyle of eating? Okay. Firstly, when you're in the present moment, you acknowledge your things. So I'm going to take you back to when it was at things. I had a vision of how I wanted to look, but I wasn't going. I wasn't going about it the right way. So how I paused, and I looked around my surroundings. I looked at me as an individual, what I wanted to get from myself. So I looked. I started writing a food diary. I would suggest people have a food diary. So in the food diary, you write what you're eating. 
your emotions, your mental state as well has an impact on the kind of um, food you eat, your relationships with food. So that's another starter. Um, another recommendation is to look through your cupboards. What what's in your cupboards, basically? Get rid of crap stuff. Place it with good stuff as well, and just take it in baby steps. Everything is baby steps. Once you take them baby steps, you kind of see forward, right? So when you see, you, you kind of have that opening gate to look forward. So you're more, you're more accustomed, to, you know, kind of like say to yourself, okay, I'm eating a bit more healthier. How am I feeling? Now, in my case, and with a lot of my clients that I've worked with that have done it in this way, they kind of like open that gateway mentally and they enjoy doing it. That's the first step. So once once you've kind of got past that baby barrier, you evolve it and you take it a step by step. So even 30 minutes, you build it to an hour of exercising. Then you kind of see what kind of exercises you enjoy. So the gym's not for everybody. You can take cycling, up, swimming. You can work from from your own home, you know, as well. Um, so that's that's another aspect of it. Now you mentioned having a relationship with food. Why do you value having a relationship with food? And how would you consider a healthy person's relationship with food versus somebody that's more on the unhealthy side? Okay, having having a good relationship with foods. Now, not everybody's going to sit there and eat a clean diet all the time. It's fine to indulge now and again in in certain foods. If you want to have a cake, that's fine. I mean, through my journey and some of my clients as well, I say to them, look, you, you know, treat it as a treat. Learn to have moderation and balance. That's that's another key aspect of it. So you've got to. Rather than supposed to indulging every single day, why not once a week? And then once you do that, you kind of you kind of like have this relationship with yourself and the food, and you're thinking, this is actually better. My skin's looking better. I'm actually got more energy within myself. I'm actually thinking more better. I mean, when you're eating crap, you're going to feel crap sometimes. There's, there's no way around it at the end of the day. You're going to have this skill. Oh, my God, I've just indulged in this big ghetto chocolate cake. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to eat tomorrow. And then, boom, you're back to square one. Why not, you know, why not teach yourself balance? Everything is balanced. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing because it has to be sustainable. You know, Absolutely. as human beings, we only have so much discipline. We and when we run out of that, you know, we have to, you know, we resort back to our old habits. Absolutely. And when you sort of pursued this lifestyle, obviously when you were bodybuilding, I know a lot of bodybuilders have to use discipline when it comes to that contest prep. How did you get through that phase? Because bodybuilding is, as interesting as it is, it doesn't seem like the most natural thing to do, you know, dropping weight getting super, super lean on stage. That must be very difficult. I'm going to be honest. The first time I entered the competition, I only had four months. I was training um, quite a lot at the time. That was really easy for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I was eating really clean. I was, you know, I was experimenting certain things. So I can give a bit more to, to my clients. So the first one, very, very easy. The second one, 
um, in 2019 was extremely hard for me. One, I was nursing my dad, who's no longer with me. He passed away last year, so that was mentally really, really hard for me. I'm not going to lie to you. When you're lacking sleep, you're running to hospital, having to take a sick person, um, they're in pain and agony. Uh, mentally, it exhausted me. I won't lie to you. But what kept me going and my, myself being sane was the training and knowing that I had the goal to reach. He he wanted me to do it. So that was, that was I kind of felt that I was giving back to him as well. So that for me, yeah, that I had to put more time to prep with the second one, supposed to the first one. But the mental side was harsh, really harsh. But you came through it. And when you came through this, how do you counsel sort of your clients? Like what is what are some of your best client success stories that you've had? I had one lady, um, she went through, she had twins. Um, her, her husband was cheating on her and he left her and wanted a divorce and he made her feel like that. I'm not going to lie to you mentally and physically. She did accumulate a lot of work. Now, I was introduced to her from a friend. She became a good friend of mine in the end. I worked with her for three years. Um, we took it baby steps. Through the duration, I taught her certain certain exercises to do within herself. Um, she adopted meditation, which I'm a really big, you know, big fan of it. It actually helps calms the voices down um, inside the individual as well, and it keeps you a little bit more focused and forward. Now, I'm not going to give you this ball and say to you, oh, within three months she had this dream body. When I say we took it in baby steps. We were, I worked with her for three years. Um, in, in the duration of the three years, she got really fit. I'm not going to lie to you. She adopted a great relationship with food. Um, being a mother to, to um, her twins as well, she was able to show her children an example of healthy living, healthy eating, what it does to an individual, and how working on yourself has benefits and you grow as an individual. So I was really, you know, I was really trust with that story. Um, and she just, not she didn't just grow as a person. I mean, I see it to her now still to this day. She's kept the weight off. She's still continuing. Um, it was just great. I was just greatly honoured the fact that I taught her that road coming from a novice. Now she knows exactly what to do. She doesn't need my help, um, and that's what I like to do. I like to teach my clients. It's not about just taking their money and going, right, I'm going to take you through the gym. We're going to do this today, and we're going to do that today. I'll do this so you can come back and keep paying me. It just makes me feel good that I've done my job, and I've taught that person how to kind of manage their weight so they can go away with it because in this job – understands I'm not going to have clients for a lifetime but if I can give them my, my philosophy and my method and they can take that away and apply that for the long run I've done my job. Very good. Who in your eyes is your ideal client and when we're looking at your clients what types of qualities do you want to see in a client and what type of qualities do you not want to see in a client? I with I will work with anybody who's willing you know, to keep me halfway. The kind of clients I don't want to work with are people that procrastinate. 
won't listen to direction, do completely the opposite. Um, look at me like a fairy godmother that I'm going to wave this magic wand and boom, they're going to get their results. It just doesn't work that way. A few times I've had to terminate people that have had that mindset. They've gone away, gone with other people, seen it doesn't work, they've come back. So I have to, I draw a contract, so I assure them, they have to ensure me, should I say, that they're willing to work under my terms. And the kind of people that I, I specifically like to work, and that's why I limit my numbers on who I work with, are people that want to grow. Now, if they want to grow, then I can teach them more because they're not procrastinating. They're opening their minds. They're opening, you know, their learning abilities. They're opening themselves up and they're placing that trust to me. So to me, I have a duty to deliver. And why do you believe you have a duty to deliver? Well, that's basically offered to you that duty. Someone's placing their trust in me to change them. So that that's that is a great responsibility, you know. I don't want someone to walk away and say, "Oh, this didn't work, that didn't work." When they have tried my method, so it's very important that you know I basically monitor them, have calls with my clients, make sure they're doing the guidelines because that's that's my reputation. So if I'm not taking responsibility for my action, that's not going to happen myself, and I think that's serious. So when we're talking about reputation, what are sort of the values that you have as a business person? Honesty is the best quality, 100%. It's like selling a product and you've praised it that much. You've praised, sorry, excuse me. You've praised that product so highly. Um, that person has bought that product and it's a shambles. That's good look, is it? And when we're talking about all of this, when we talk about your products and other things, can you sort of provide me with your website and a lot of the products and services that you're providing to your audience? Yeah, I well, I offer life coaching. There's several areas that I specialize as spiritual coaching, self-development coaching, well-being coaching, and life coaching in general, just to you know, when people want to make decisions, why they're procrastinating, I, that, the kind of teachings that I teach. I offer personal training as well, um, but the kind of personal training that I end. So I work with people, not just turning them into the best versions of themselves, the ultimate version. The ultimate version, I mean, when you're the best version of yourself, that's someone that's established your qualities and you're willing to work on them. To me, the ultimate version of yourself is knowing your true potential and using it, and that's what I teach. So it's people that know what they want. Um, they know how to get. They know how to get certain things. They know mentally and physically that they have to balance both of them in order to to be active to you know, to gain certain things as well. In that respect. Um, going to be launching very very soon an online service where i give meal plans to people um a library of exercises from my team and i also sell um, health test kits so them health test kits um are like basically tolerance testing liver testing and there's a few others as well that i've got to add but yeah they're the services that i provide hmm. it's quite interesting and when you do all of this, what what do you think is the best 
key service that you provide for a lot of people. And is it safe to say for people to regard you as both a life coach and a fitness coach? Or do you think you're more of one than the other? Both. Definitely both. And what's the key service or key thing you think you can provide most out of all the different things you've laid out? Definitely the mindset and the physical side. To me, that comes as one package. Hmm. Okay, okay. And when you began to do this, what type of advice would you give to your older self? I mean, your younger self. What type of advice would you give to you? If what well, going back years, uh, I wish I never tested bad diet. Um, I wish I didn't self love myself, and I learned to love myself, give myself the right. Um, I would also say to my younger self, I would say rather than rushing through, you know, not pausing, not not taking in what's actually going on at that present time and rushing what can be and what couldn't and regrets and this, to just learn from the situation that everything, like everything works out for itself in the end. What will be will be if you chase if you kind of work with yourself, working on yourself, you can't go wrong 100%. And when you say this, why do you think this will this will always work well 100%? I'm living that level of confidence. Sorry, say that again, please. I'm just asking, uh, what gives you that level of confidence? What gives me that level of confidence? I'm right. My my young me was not comfortable in my old skin. My older me is very comfortable in my skin. I see my abilities. I see what I'm capable when I place my mindset into stuff. Um, and I, the best thing about it is I'm still growing. Every day that comes by, I'm growing as a person. And when you're growing as a person, and there could be someone that's the younger version of what I used to be, where I can give that knowledge to them so they don't repeat the mistakes I've made and grow as an individual. And what are some of the key mistakes that you think are very relatable to other people that you began to overcome? Because you sort of talked about one of your prime key clients had a lot of problems growing up in her life. But this was before body and before all that. What were sort of the key things you overcame and how did you do it specifically? Sorry, say that again. It cut out. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the key things you did to overcome a lot of those obstacles you were facing? The first, the first thing I think, I'm just going back in time, I gave myself a break. That was key. If you don't like something or have an understanding, you do something about it and you change it. Um, through that process, um, how can I explain it? I, I kind of tuned in. Um, when I tuned in, I had fears, I had demons inside of me that I knew had to be addressed so once I got onto that stage um, and I really faced the fear I really you know felt felt that love inside me I knew I could not go on like this for a lifetime um, one of the things I remember was speaking to an old lady um, it's mostly my friend Nan she goes, never, never regret. Always learn. Oh, don't get to my age. I've got so many regrets. I wish I didn't marry. I wish I didn't, you know, I went through the lifestyle that I went. And it kind of registered in my brain a little bit as well. And I thought, 
there's me, I love my body. Do I want to carry on when I get to that age? So that was key for me. Okay. Very interesting. And another thing we need to start hitting now is you're the author of three different books. Can you sort of give me a gist of what sort of these three different books are focused on and what would be the best audience for each of these three books that you have? Okay, the first two books were solemnly directed at 40-year-olds. It's called 40 Fit and Fabulous, um, the Mindset Edition. I decided to do that to explain the mindset and what makes people not want, you know, not want to exercise, not want to, you know, have a healthy lifestyles. And I gave feedback and what you can do and the benefits of it. The second one, in my, my eyes, 80%, you know, it is common fact, 80% comes down to nutrition. So I placed a nutrition ma- uh, manual. I placed um, several recipes directed at vegans, vegetarians, meat eaters, fish eaters. But I just gave a little combination. So I left them at, at two. I was going to do an exercise one, but I didn't quite get there. The next phase I went on, the third one, it's called... Um, being the best version of a um, 30-day practice story to being the best version of you. That's also um, available on Amazon. Now, I put a 30-day practice based on five-year study that I conducted on myself and other clients, and it actually worked if you follow the guidelines. And it's, it's a manual people can go to when they're feeling low within themselves to pick them up why certain behaviours, why, why they feel the way they do. And I explained more in-depth about the egoic mind, how it works to separate you as an individual and sabotage you as a person. So I gave an explanation about that as well. Um, it was like 30-day practice. Some of, some of the stuff that I hit on was stuff like giving yourself a break, why you should be giving yourself a break, uh, I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm just trying to see if I've got a copy here at the office. No, it's at the flat. But anyway, that, that's regardless. But yeah, I just put a few principles in there. A few people bought it. I got great feedback from it. And they still, you know, they still refer back to it as well, the principles that I placed in. Great. Uh, before we elaborate on the books, do you have um, a light or anything in your room? It's looking a little bit dark. Sorry. Yeah. Fine. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think is the, this is just my general interest, but what do you think is the benefit of having a contest? Do contests sort of instill something in it? Like what happens after the contest is done that creates sort of a lasting change for someone? You mean the bodybuilding? Uh, no, the book you have. You talk about one of your books having a contest. So why do you specifically incorporate contests? Con- contest. Sorry, can you say that again? It cut out. You mean a contest? Yes, contest. Do you think doing something for a temporary amount of time can help with a long-term change? Well, I wouldn't put it in the sense of a contest, even though it states the thirty-day practice, because it's it's a book. So you can go back to the principles of it and redo the thirty days. So I wouldn't I wouldn't class it as a context is just a reminder that you're an amazing individual. You have got values within yourself. You can be the best version of you. Um, it doesn't matter what what someone says that you can't. 
even them inner demons within yourself. So I wouldn't put it down as a contest. Um, the only contest an individual I would give advice to is competing is with themselves. And that's kind of one of, one of the aspects of the book. So you're kind of seeing your weaknesses are highlighted. So you kind of like have this to refer back. A lot of, my, a lot of people that bought my book have gone back to when they felt crap within themselves. And they've gone through it. And, oh my God, I forgot. And they get reminded. And sometimes like, you know, I mean, we live in a hustle, hustle culture. When you think of it, it's just go, 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 go. People sometimes, you know, don't sit down and don't leave. So coming back to the book, referring to certain contents of it, um, especially where it explains a bit about the egoic mind and how it separates you and sabotages of your good qualities as an individual. It kind of wakes that person's spirit and it kind of refocuses them. And it's like, okay, I'm having a bad week. I've got this. I'm a better, stronger person now. And that's one, one of the things about establishing the best version of yourself and bringing it to the surface, knowing that you've overcome and you've grown even if it's a month apart, you know you've got it in you to change and not go back 10 steps, 10 steps forward. You don't really see it as a contest because it's sort of a way of you proving to yourself and building your own confidence that you can then apply later mm-hmm. on to other things in life. Absolutely. Okay. That purpose of the book and the five years research that i done to write it. And with your other book about being 40 and fit, why do you think it's different for people at that age to be healthier or do something differently compared to someone who's a little bit younger? I don't think there's an age limit for anybody to lead a healthy life and, have, you know, have a regular exercise within their life. I'm mainly with the 40 fit and fabulous because I have a lot of friends in my age group and I wanted to inspire them. Them, look, you know, it's never too late. So I kind of done it in, in that respect, and I kind of placed myself forefront. It's worked for me. I was forty at the time. I think actually forty-one at the time. Um, but I kind of used myself as an example to say, look, it still works. You know, like you can apply it as well. But that's not that's not one of the main principles that I preach about with age but it was more to inspire the older generation as well it's not just the young because I inspire every age age limit ain't what I what I I base it on there's people that are parents so I kind of you know use tactics like you have children showing them being active showing them you know leading healthy eating your vegetables the aspect it has in the long run that that's more the principles I'm getting at even though the title was 40 fit and fabulous it applies to anybody basically it's not specifically saying oh you have to do this only if you're in the 40s but as I said again that's the title I use because of my age and what do you think is the number one solution that can solve a lot of people's binge eating problems you got to look. It's that's, that can apply in a different way because some people can binge eat through low self-esteem. Um, how, how they look at themselves, how they loathe themselves. And again, from my experience, I'd binge throughout the day. I didn't eat, and I felt like crap afterwards when I'd done it. I'd go to bed sometimes straight away. I knew it was wrong. Um, I would. I would 
because it that's kind of it's not a tricky question I've got to kind of answer that so it can apply not to just one set of people but to several set of people as well but within binging you've got to look at your times um say some people work at night so you've got to kind of adapt some people nine to five job you're adapt you've got to kind of pinpoint what works with you and what doesn't that's very important but you've also what what another way what I would say to people to highlight um themselves why they're doing what they're doing is to keep a little food diary journal I would ask a question like mentally how were you feeling at that time to do what you did and most likely, you know, most likely the circumstances are going to be, I feel low. It was a quick fix because I didn't have time. I felt rubbish for women on monthly, say, for instance. Oh, someone peed me off. That's the light you would get someone to take them actions. And why is it so important for people to know what emotions they have specifically tied to food? Because you're more in tune with yourself, um, you see how you've adapted and matured emotionally as an individual. Certain people can't deal with emotions, other people are more mentally stronger than other people. But my point is, if you're not acknowledging them and not placing them onto the surface, how are you going to know your weaknesses to your strengths to apply it and strengthen that process and grow as an individual? So what do you think are the advantages to being in tune with what you're actually eating compared to somebody that just tracks calories? Because I think a lot of people are just focused very heavily on just calories in, calories out. I would, okay, sorry, say that again. Say that again, I didn't quite understand that. So I'm basically saying being mindful versus tracking calories. Why do you think being mindful gives somebody such an edge? Um, you, you kind of look, you look what you're, I mean, all right, let me start again. Counting calories, it doesn't work. I'm going to explain that. I was in the UK a few years ago. Our UK government assigned watchers. Now, Weight Watchers is actually owned by a high company, and their method is calorie counting. Now, it is part of obesity over here in the UK. I explained before with body types, different body types might apply to the other, vice versa. What I would say is um, being mindful, you're going to know what works for you. If like certain foods you might be eating, you're bloating still, you're not losing weight, you might have an intolerance to it. So the more mindful that you are, what you're putting into your body, you're going to know what's digesting better with you what's working better with you, what's giving you energies and not making you binge so much um, to eat certain things. So that I would answer that in that respect. And when you're continuing to do this, so do you have any other testimonials from clients who like to talk about? Because you talk about one key client that was very interesting. Are there any others that you'd like to provide? It's quite a few, actually. There's... I've worked with so many people um, over the years. Like, okay. I've got well, let me give you a suggestion. So Sorry. maybe, yeah, so let me give you a suggestion. So maybe somebody more on the binge eating side. Could you say how they sort of fix their issues working with you? Okay. I worked with a young lady who had bulimia, hmm. basically, um, eating disorders. I've worked with the people with a few eating disorders. 
and again get held down to a lot of low self-esteem within themselves not addressing certain traumas they've had you know as youngers and they've developed it into their adulthood that's another example of clients that I've worked with not feeling confident within themselves you know and just thinking you know feeling ugly within themselves and the kind of principles I've applied you are are a possible person inside and out but it's no point just saying that to someone you've got to help it's like a journey so they're trusting they're placing their hand like that with me and I'm leading them why are you doing this why are you doing that now I can relate to them with my journey so I explain a lot I show them pictures before and afterwards trust is placed inside me so I'm not just anybody where you don't know what I'm going through I've been so I can I can, I can empathize with them I can place myself in their shoes so that that does help as well so what I do with them over a course of time not it's not a dramatic result where one week two months it's a slow process okay why do you why do you love yourself to do this and then an understanding. I mean, one um, went through few relationships, um, guys that took away her self-esteem. Then she, we kind of pinpointed that she would always attract the kind of guy that, you know, basically belittles her, makes her feel self low self-esteem. So she was attracting them kind of partners. Then when she saw this problem, she was like, I never thought of it like that, you know. She changed it around, blah, blah. And then once, once she applied that process a bit more confident, she was meeting guys that were more confident within themselves. Someone that, you know, she can actually grow married. That was another client I worked with. I worked with people that have had injuries. I've rehabbed them. There was a lady that had struggles walking up elevators, my Stella. She was running up, she was running at the elevator stairs in the tube stations over here in the UK. She got physically more better. We shaped her up. We gained her muscle mass. We chiseled her. I toned her. I helped the process. But again, we done that together. I was just guiding it. It was her placing the work in. So they're just kind of examples of people that I work with. And you talk a lot about honesty and trust. What do you think is one common myth or misconception people have about a person in your industry? And how did you counter back on that and sort of redevelop that trust? I think we need, I don't think, I know we need a voice that, you know, says it as it is. It's have, like, say, for example, do this exercise, this this fitness professional to get J-Lo backside to get this and to get that again it's not really gonna cut it for one that person can have a different body type to JLo I'm just you know I'm just placing the facts in so I kind of teach it in in, in more of a realistic way why do you why do you want to idolize someone why do you want to be that certain person and then do do them certain exercises where you can build your temple within yourself, grow as a person and highlight what God gave you. And why do you think, you know, certain people struggle with that low self-confidence? Do you think people are just too hard on themselves? Do you think they just beat themselves up too much about their goals or they attach themselves too much to that goal? What do you think it is? Definitely in some respects, yeah. Like I explained before, we live in a hustle culture. 
my time growing up was kind of blessed in one sense. I didn't have a lot of social media. So when you, you know, you look at pictures, you know, it straight away it registers in, in that person's head. Oh my God, I want that. I want that. And you want it there and there, basically. But the question, you know, that's not highlighted. What have you done to get to that point? Right, right. And, you know, people just need to learn how to, you know, love and accept themselves as well. Because, again, if you don't appreciate what you have, you can't really appreciate everything else around you. Absolutely. You're, you just you kind of lose your ID. Yeah. Um, when you lose your ID, you know, your your brain can go in so many different ways. You know, you lose the purpose of, you know, everybody's got a lesson to learn. Everybody's got a growth goal. But you're not really giving yourself a chance as well. And then, you know, all them years go by and then you'll say 80, 90, and you'll look back and think, why did I do that? Then you kind of see things for what they are. Why put yourself in that position? So I want to begin now bringing up the business perspective of things. How did you make the transition from being a fitness person to now a business person in the fitness industry? Because those are two very different areas. How did you go through that area of getting to the break-even point where you started to draw in revenue and grow your business? Okay. I started off slowly. I didn't think I would get as successful as I did get. Um, a lot of it, like I said to you, was word of mouth. I worked with people. So a lot of my results that I got kind of spoke for them because those people came back for more. But in the sense of business, I kind of took one step at a time. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm still learning certain things myself, still growing, you know, new technology has been thrown in. I've still got to sit down sometimes and learn how to operate this, how to operate that, to do this, to do that. You know, like, as I mentioned before, I take it one just kind of one step at a time. What do you mean by taking one step at a time? And why do you think you need to sort of think about it like that? Not really a believer into rushing and to this. Hey, I'm fabulous. I'm still the business side, I'm still learning every day. Um everything's changing. I'm kind of I, I like to keep up with the time. So I'm in that position where I can come in on new fads versus the old give my opinion um i will i will see things i like to research research is a very important factor in my line of work so i, I like to do that i like to you know there's so many different platforms you've got tiktok you've got social media like facebook um instagram like i, I kind of like I like to learn things really slowly. So when I do baby steps, I'm kind of mastering one step at a time. And then that way I'm kind of I'm kind of easy on myself so I can give a better service to the individual that are under under my wing. And you mentioned social media a lot. What do you why do you think social media is so important for a business? It's, I mean, back in the days when I started, it was business cards. Um, a lot. I mean, I have got a few. A lot of a lot of my clients. More of my clients have come from words of mouth, but I have a few that have come from social media, just placing certain advertisements out, and people seeing what I'm capable of, have contacted me. Look, this is the problem I've got. Blah blah. So again, I'm honest with them. Okay. 
what are you what kind of steps are you prepared to take to get to that result because this is what I, I tell them straight what I can offer can you know can you commit to that and then it's like mm, mm, mm. they'll go back and think about it and come back but in the meantime I'm plugging knowledge so it's like this woman knows what she's about for one we have you know, a few people have complimented me the fact for once we haven't got someone that's gone on about fat, fat diets 90 day challenges so it kind of gives the novices a better understanding to start on on a more positive note supposed to a 90 day challenge to me a 90 day challenge after 90 days what you're going to do do you go back to your old standards so they're the kind of principles i preach out for the platforms. um I've my books on there as well so a lot of people have bought you know my sales have gone up you know using it in that in that respect my intolerance test kits as well that I advertise as well through social media that's brought up my sales as well and not only that it lets people know of the new services even though I have a website to get out there basically and to you know to see what I can offer and what I don't if it's suited for them or not so that's your piece of advice use social media use it to get out there and when you have a social media, when you push out social media content, people want to subscribe to that content. What are they going to sort of expect from you? Realism, saying it as it is. Um, I expect them, like, given, given an understanding and a learning principle of the long run, how quick fixes, the importance of balancing oneself, how mindset can be applied. Um, and just growing, you know, growing that beautiful person that's inside of all of us and becoming the ultimate person that knows what they want, knows their value, knows the importance of showing up for themselves. And when you so social media is more of a tool for you to build more of a closer relationship with your audience, but your website is more for selling those products and services. Is that sort of how your infrastructure works? No, I'd say Social media kind of when you think about it in terms of contacting, they can contact me social media and my website. So kind of in that respect. And when you do all this, and when all this sort of comes together, what type of advice would you give to someone else that would like to reach the same place you're at right now? What I would say to them is, give yourself a break. You've got to love yourself before you love your surroundings to give out love as an individual that's really really important um write down your flaws your weaknesses and give yourself a chance to you know to change them into strengths everybody's possible doing it i mean we've all heard of having a really abusive childhood uh, a wife being battered and they've changed changed their lives around they haven't done it you know just waving the wand They've, they've acknowledged they've had some traumas go on in their life, but they, I guarantee you, they've given themselves a break. And that is key, key to everything. You have to give yourself a break. Good. Giving yourself a break. And you also sort of talk about your religious affiliation and meditation and Buddhism. And can you sort of go more into that in a sense that how do you think people can elevate their minds through certain things such as that? Well, with my Buddhism, my respect to all cultures, I was christened a Christian, and that was a preference. That was that was a personal choice that I made. 
I'm not going to go into religion. I don't discuss religion, but I like the principles of Buddhism because they were spiritual. They were, um, you know, teachings of divine within oneself, um, how, how the mind teaching yourself self-love. So I, I go more into it in that respect, and that's what attracted me. But I would never tell anybody, choose this, do this, that. But regardless of what religion you are, I would highly recommend meditating. When you meditate, you breathe. And when I say breathe, we breathe to, you know, to keep alive. But you give yourself, like, a little break. Um, you kind of you slow down your surroundings. We just come a little bit over here. I'm a bit out of the camera. Yeah, you, you kind of you get more in tune with yourself, basically, because you know about any circumstances, say somebody, oh, do Buddhism, do this. Everybody has a choice. You know, I've chosen my path. I expect the next person choosing their path. But regardless, again, and I will repeat that again, of what religion you are, meditation, even as little as five minutes a day when you wake up, five minutes before you go to, you know, to bed, we all have these voices going on, thoughts within, within our mind. The more you do it, you kind of have a control over it and you lessen it and you just go to bed or you wake up feeling refreshed. So it works one way, you wake up refreshed, a little bit more calmer and you go to sleep with the same effects. And what are some other healthy things a person can do besides the core values such as exercise and other things such as that. So you mentioned sleep before. What, what do you? What is your perspective on sleep? Sleep is very important. Um, the body grows. It, it strengthens your immune system. It's for the mind as well. Sleeping, lack of sleep, you can actually put um, weight on if you're not sleeping great as well. Sleep's good in relaxing, reducing stress levels. It's very important. I mean, if I don't get my eight hours, I'm groggy. I can't function. And at the moment in the UK, we're actually, sorry, I'm really sweating as well at the moment. We're having a heat um, at the moment, so it's really uncomfortable at night time sleeping. So I've been restored to napping during the day, which I don't do. But if my body needs it and I haven't got a client, I'm going to do that so I can be refreshed for the job on hand. And you mentioned another thing too, time management. How how do you think time management falls into a lot of this? Because that's also very important too. Time management is extremely important, but I, the only tips I can give to an individual, because I don't know everybody's schedule, if someone said to me, blah, blah, then I can kind of direct them. But what I would say to any individual listening to this podcast regarding time management, you've got to sit down there, your your schedule, your days, um, and write down when you've got free time to when you have it. It's a good way to assess your your, your circumstances. Um, there's some people that have got pet, you know, kids, and it's a little bit more hard. suggested in respect to get exercises, some fresh air for the children as well. Like I said, everybody's different. You've just got to work the times that works for you. When you pinpoint that and you have an understanding of that, you know, you kind of you kind of like look back and you think, oh my gosh, I've wasted an hour here watching, say, Desperate Housewives or this TV show or that where I could have been a bit more constructive. So that's the best advice I would give to an individual. Very good. And 
when we look at all of this all together, what do you think is some final words or remarks you would like to say to the audience? I think I've pretty much um, covered everything that I wanted anybody. But I'm going to say this one more last time. Do not live in regret. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are. Start off, you know, start off nice and fresh. Be easy on yourself. Um, you know, just love self-love. When, when you put that, you know, radiating inside you, trust me, it, it attracts other people to your life. We've all heard of the law of attraction. I'm a great, you know, a great believer in that. You stimulate negative thoughts. You're going to bring negative thoughts towards you. You stimulate positive, good, you know, good thoughts. You're going to stimulate them back to you and attract that. You can attract, you know, amazing people, amazing experiences in your life. You know, I would say that that's an individual. It's really, really important. You've got one life. I'm not going to preach to you and say, yeah, get up, exercise. That's your choice. But what I would say, if you do take some of the advice to hold, I promise you one thing, you will not be disappointed. Take it in, you know, baby steps, one, one, one step at a time. Go easy on yourself, and I guarantee you, in the long run, and that's what it matters, and that's that present moment, building it up for that future long run, it will work within yourself. You'll become that amazing person that you was destined to be. It's easy said than done. But give yourself a chance. It's not going to happen over 90 days. Self-development, you know, it happens every day. Wake up, pay attention, and the lessons are there, and you'll see what's what. Don't don't go back in years and regret, oh, I should have done this, should have changed that. Take control now. All right. Well, I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you again. You're most welcome. It's lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to The Jimbo Paris Show. 